As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. It's time for today's travel and cruise industry news. With the latest from travel and cruises around the world, here's your host, Chili Falls. Good morning. Welcome to Travel and Cruise Industry News on this Friday, July the 7th, 2023, coming to you from Bedford County, Virginia, Central Virginia area. Uh, another hot day here today. We could get a little rain. They're calling for some rain, maybe. But uh, maybe I can still get some time in the pool. I like that. I don't have quite as much to do today as I have all week. So... It'll be nice to get out there and relax a little bit. All right, so we do have several news stories this morning. Plus, we got a whole bunch of stuff going on this morning, folks. Of course, the top story today is Ruby Princess collides with the pier in San Francisco. We're going to look at the Ocean Key Super Coral Program. Club Pilates at Sea. Aida getting startling. We've got a railroad labor dispute in Alaska. And unfortunately, a crew member has passed away on another of our ships. And a lot more live here at 11 o'clock this morning. So, today, folks, is another good day for me. It's National Strawberry Sunday Day. I can deal with that. I like strawberries a lot. Of course, I like ice cream. And I like the whipped cream that goes on top. And it's hot. So, yeah, I can deal with the strawberry sundae with relative ease. If you're listening via the podcast, welcome aboard. You can always access the podcast via my blog, which is accessadventure.net. Or wherever you get your podcasts from, just search for Travel and Cruise Industry News, and up pops the fat travel guy. If you are listening to the podcast and want to jump over to the video feed to take a look at pictures or clips or interviews, there's always a link in the description of the podcast so you can do just that. 
All right. So night before last, I had the extreme opportunity to talk to my buddy, Nate. Hey, my guest on Chili Chats is my buddy, Nate Vallier up there in Alaska. Nate, mm -hmm. welcome back to Chili Chats. Hey, Chili. Hey, friends. All right. Tell us about, give us an update on what's going on up there. Well, this season's going a lot better than other Alaska seasons. Um, people are pretty much fully staffed, but the challenge we're getting this year is it's a lot of new people. So we're asking everyone kind of be a little bit patient because you're you're not probably going to get the experience you're used to. Um, we've had a lot of issues with some hotels. We've had issues with some of the other vendors. I mean, they're not big. Uh, but the good news is a lot of the tours are actually operating this year compared to last year. And uh, weather, I think, has probably been our biggest challenge, uh, which is uh, what we're going to talk about today. Okay. So, yeah, and um, I have a weather question for you, too. Sure. I realize that you'd have to look into a crystal ball. But what's the weather going to be like when come the first week of September when I'm up there with you? <laughs> well, the weather is definitely different this year than any other year we've had. Uh, normally, our May is the best month to come up and visit. It's what we call our Alaska summer. Uh, temperatures are typically 65, not raining a whole lot. And uh, even last year and the year before, I was running my air conditioner in my office, you know, at the last week of April. Whereas this year, I'm still running my heater, you know, as of yesterday. Um, we're a little bit chillier than before. Um, the rains kind of picked up a little bit. You know, there's, of course, a lot of debate about climate change or planetary evolution. Um, it's definitely taking its effect on Alaska this year. Uh, it is a lot more wet. It is colder. But there's a way there are ways you can still come and enjoy Alaska. You know, my, my best tip I can give any traveler is, you know, don't spend five hundred dollars on, you know, we call it Patagucci, you know, like the Patagonia type waterproof jacket. Just bring a tarp uh, or a poncho, you know, something cheap. Just kind of throw it over you in your bag, uh, because even for us Alaskans, we're going to get wet. And you want something that can dry quickly. Um, you know, make sure layers are okay, but remember those layers might get wet too. And a lot of folks ask about shoes. Well, a lot of us wear extra tough boots. They're about a hundred dollars, and they're the rubber uh, brown ones that you see a lot of people wear. I'm actually in flip flops right now, just because it's nice where I am, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But you just need to be versatile with your packing. Uh, I'd love to say, hey, here's how August has traditionally been, which is, you know, lower 70s. Um, if it rains, it rains for a couple of days and then it clears up. But nothing is following trend this year. Nothing at all. Um, I'm, I'm still seeing people come off these ships in Skagway looking like they're on an Antarctic cruise. Um, and we've seen some people coming off in shorts and a t-shirt and our kids are still swimming in the rivers and the lakes. So that's not deterring them from the cold weather. Yeah. All right. So just to be safe, I need to have my winter jacket with me, I would assume. I would recommend that, especially for the cruise that we're doing with the Sapphire Princess. Um, if you're going to go to Glacier Bay, it's going to be cold. Because once you get within, you know, a couple hundred meters of these glaciers, it's about a 15 degree difference, right. if not more. And you get some wind off the ice field. So I tell everyone dress appropriately. Uh, me, I'll be in a hot tub drinking a mojito. But that's, I'm, you know, I'm used to this weather. Um, a lot of folks will be out on the decks. Princess and Hall in America both give you blankets uh, when they do cruise. 
whether it's Endicott Arm, Tracy Arm, uh, Glacier Bay, Hubbard Bay, um, and College Fjords. And so that's where, you know, again, a lot of the cruise lines have a different program. You know, one cruise we run, no one got anything. You know, there were no blankets to be had anywhere. And others, they're in your cabin. But Princess does put them out on the chairs. They have some nice recliners. Um, and I think Con America does the same thing. So just just be prepared. But, you know, like, like in a day like today, um, you know, if you want to move on to the first picture, you know, Skagway, the weather was pretty bad. You know, it was cloudy. It was rainy. And, you know, this is what it looks like at the White Pass. Now, don't let that scare you away because the moment I got into Canada, it cleared up. You know, I'm just kind of showing my background. It's crystal clear outside and 74 degrees. So don't think, don't let the weather hold you back from taking an excursion or uh, going out and having fun because the weather could be different, you know, on the other side, like in Juneau, you know, downtown weather is completely different than Oak Bay, which is where the whale watches go, or even Sentinel Island, if you do that tour, or Tracy Arm. So we just tell people to be prepared. Layers is good, but make sure it's flexible layers and you don't forget them. Uh, we hear from our tour operator friends, that's the number one thing they're finding are people who forget their jackets and their fleeces. Yeah, I definitely don't want to forget my jacket if I'm up there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so um, we still have some openings for our cruise. We do. Uh, yeah, the cruise hasn't sold out. And what's getting really annoying about everything is the cruise lines are really dropping prices close in. Uh, I just sold a balcony mini suite um, princess to a client for $1,300. Whereas on our cruise, the balconies are going for about $3,000 each. So, um, you know, we are telling people, you know, as much as we want to give people on our cruise, which you think would be great. You know, if you do want to see Alaska, there are some really good last minute deals out there and just be flexible, be prepared to travel and also give yourself some extra flexibility. Uh, you know, we had a lot of people miss their cruises last week when, there are issues in New York and then with the air trans, uh, air traffic control shortages in both Canada and the United States. Yeah. So now, make sure you arrive a day early, if not even earlier. How are the issues in Skagway with the, uh, the dock and rock slides that, from last year? Uh, they're still closely monitoring that. Luckily, there hasn't been any real movements. Uh, you know, we are on a fault line. And, uh, you know, people tend to forget about that, that, you know, the city of Skagway is actually six feet higher now than it was during the days of gold rush. So, uh, you know, they are still working on a mitigation plan for 2024, 2025. Um, I do suspect they're going to have more lines canceled just because of the fear of having a rock hit their ship. Yeah. And it, it's not a... The situation is not an optimal one for folks because one of the berths you have to tender, even though you're tied up, you have to use a tender because you can't be on that side of the ship in case there's a rock slide. Yeah. And so that's really discouraging some people because when when a ship tenders, it adds an extra hour, uh, you know, to either get on or off. And especially for non-ambulatory folks, it's a bit of a challenge. And so, um, you know, there a lot of the cruise lines may not tell you which dock you're going to be at. However, there are websites that will tell you. So if you see railroad dock forward, you're okay. If you see railroad dock aft, uh, I, I need to make sure it's not flipped around. Um, but basically, if you see railroad dock, you need to make sure and find out, okay. are we going to tender or are we going to be put in a shuttle? Okay. And the shuttles are running pretty good. So those those run about every five minutes or whenever they fill up. Very good. That's awesome. Yep. All right. So uh, what else do we have here, Nate? 
Uh, today we're going to talk about Whitehorse. Uh, as mentioned, it's complete 180 from the weather down in Alaska. Uh, once you cross that White Pass summit, you know, it's like the heavens open up something about Canada. Either God's punishing us in Alaska or he likes Canadians better. But it seems like every time we cross the White Pass summit, come into the Yukon, it, it's just a much different experience. So what I recommend people do is, you know, take the train up, take a city, you know, one of the buses up or rent a car. And so today, um, you know, if you want to show the first video, one of the little secrets we have. You have to unmute yourself. Now. Yeah, I saw that. So one of the secret places here in Whitehorse is called Miles Canyon. And this is what the video that you're looking at. So this is an actual suspension bridge over the um, Yukon River. And this is an area where through time and planetary evolution or change, it's, it's kind of carved its way through these rocks. And it's absolutely beautiful and stunning. It's free. And it's about a two and a half hour drive, maybe two hours if you go quick from Skagway. And so this is one of those amazing sites that you have to see if you come to Skagway and you've already done everything else. Um, if you want to go to the other video, there's a lot of trails back there. Uh, mosquitoes aren't too bad, but it's pretty accessible. Um, not too many steps. There are places to sit, which is nice. And again, this is just a complete 180 from the weather down in Skagway today. And so Miles Canyon is one of those really amazing rich treats uh, that's just south of Whitehorse. Uh, again, it's free to come in. Not always too packed, as you can see, there's not a whole lot of people around. Right. And then this is a map of the area that it's located. And you'll notice all the trails on the other side. The trails here are very well groomed. Um, it's pretty relaxing for people to kind of come up and visit and experience. And uh, again, Whitehorse is a, a really good treat. Now, I only recommend Whitehorse if your ship, if you're all aboard is before, is after five o'clock. Um, again, it's about a two hour, two and a half hour drive each way. That's with a couple of stops, but you want to spend some time up here. Yeah. You know, the, the food is great. There's a lot of shops, as you can see around me. Uh, you know, there's, uh, the weather's always nice. Uh, but also the thing you might see on the way back, and this is because of the way the tour buses operate, bears. You have a much, you have a much greater chance of seeing bears on the South Klondike, which is a road linking Whitehorse with Skagway, if you go later in the evening, because bears are very antisocial. They hate people, despite what you hear. And um, so with the buses and all the heavy traffic during the day, you'll see those more or less later in the afternoon because the first buses that come up at 8 a.m. that leave Skagway, you might see them then, but by at that point, the bears are going to hear the noise and everything and kind of avoid the roads. And so the reason why they come up to the roadway along the Klondike is because it's, uh, it's like a buffet for them. They love eating the dandelions and the berries, and um, it's a buffet. And so, yeah, so if you get a car rental, you can actually stop, uh, keep your distance, you know, at least 100 feet, if not more. You know, don't try to throw food at them, you know, and you can position your car to get some good pictures. But, you know, you, you have a much better chance of seeing bears after three o'clock Skagway time up here, just because the buses of, you know, a lot of the tours, you know, don't really operate late in Skagway for some reason, even though you've got really long times in port there. 
so there are options to rent cars. You have Avis. Um, you have Klondike e-bikes, which has three EVs, which are really cool. Uh, those are about 235 a day. You have uh, do-it-yourself Jeeps, which kind of are gas guzzlers. And then you've got two or three other local companies in town that will rent a car for you. So, uh, you know, that's for people that don't want to be on a bus, that kind of want to explore on your own, do your own pace. Highly recommend coming up to Whitehorse. It is such an amazing little town. Um, it's actually bigger than Juneau now, so I guess we can't call it a little town anymore. But um, it's just kind of a, it's a great way to get away from the cruise ships, you know, especially in Skagway where, you know, we've got 12,000 people in a day and there's just nowhere to hide. Uh, you know, from everyone because it gets really crowded real quick. But if you see one of the bears, you don't want to get close enough to take a selfie with the bear. <laughs> no, well, you know, someone will, somebody will come by and honk at you. But yeah, you want to keep your distance with the bears. Absolutely do not feed them. And, um, you know, just kind of watch your time. So with White Horse, they're one hour ahead of us in Skagway. Something to think about. And, uh, you know, luckily all the cell phone services work up here fine. You know, whether you have AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, uh, data might slow down a little bit, but you can always go to Tim Hortons or Dairy Queen, you know, and get, get your fix of uh, some Canadian food or fast food if you need to hop on the Wi-Fi for any reason. Um, and like I said, once you go through Car Cross, which is one of the stops on the White Pass Railroad, you know, that town does have cell phone service, but for the most part, the, the downside to driving on the South Klondike is, uh, you know, you don't really have any cell service at all. And um, you do need a passport to come in unless you have a enhanced driver's license or your birth certificates. You know, these are land borders, so they're a little bit more relaxed in that regard. Um, I just use my Nexus card and get to flash it and I'm in and out pretty quick. Uh, but if you are going to come up to Canada, you still are entering another country. So, you know, just don't expect to show your ID to come in. Um, otherwise, I'll make everyone in your car turn around. Right. Uh, <clears throat> what's the, where's the most likely uh, port to get some good whale watching in? Well, Juno's got five baby whales in the channel this year. Um, actually, they almost had the first excursion of the year miss the ship, to be honest, because the baby whale wouldn't leave the ship alone. Um, we hear that a lot from everyone. Oh, you have to pick through the ship. No, no one's going to leave you behind. But, you know, in the case of a baby whale, the, you know, according to whale sense and the other groups, you, you know, you can't be running your engine, you know, when the whales are that close. Um, Huna at Icy Straits is also a fantastic spot to whale watch just because you don't have the same number of boats on the water. And that's kind of one of the challenges we have in Juno is, um, you know, once someone spots a whale, the boats will come up and approach. And next thing you know, you've got five or six boats kind of, I hate to use the word on top of a whale, but, but you know, people are seeing quite a bit this year in Juneau. And I highly recommend that. Uh, you're not going to see many whales in Ketchikan, North Skagway. Uh, you might see a couple in Sitka if your uh, ship is stopping there. But uh, but for the most part, it's uh, it's been a really good season, especially for whale watching. That's great. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it, Nate. All right. Alexa, we'll give you another update a little bit later this week on what's going on up here. And we'll talk about some of the cruise pricing we're seeing. And uh, hopefully in the next week or two, we'll see a couple more deals for solos coming out and uh, get some more people up here this summer. All right. Nate, as always, thanks for being with me. All right. Thank we'll you. We'll see you next time. All right. For sure. Bye-bye. All right. I'll be back with today's news right after this. 
Do you have a bad back, bad hips, bad knees, or any other mobility issues? Think about Scoot Around. For scooters, walkers, wheelchairs, even oxygen needs, delivered right to your cabin. Scoot Around for all your mobility needs on your upcoming cruise. It's always good to catch up with Nate on what what's happening up there in Alaska. I'm clearly looking forward to uh, actually meeting him in person and sailing with him on the Sapphire Princess on August the 30th. We still got some openings, folks. If you're interested, jump on. All right. The lead story today, of course, uh, comes from uh, from our friends at uh, uh, Princess. Uh, Ruby Princess collided with Pier 27 in San Francisco while returning from a 10-night Alaska cruise. The incident happened in the early morning hours yesterday as the ship was docking prior to debarkation and passengers on board said they felt a hard, abrupt jarring when the impact occurred. All right, here's a report from CRON, that's Channel 4, in San Francisco. And a big cruise ship uh, smacked a pier in San Francisco, doing some damage, as you saw. And it happened while the ship was coming into dock in San Francisco after several days at sea. On Force Teresa Stasio has been following the story all day for us. She joins us now live uh, from San Francisco. Teresa. Oh, hi, Ken and Catherine. I'm going to get out of the way so you can see for yourself the ship that is still very much out there. It was supposed to leave at 4 o'clock, but the captain announced to the passengers just a short time ago that there would be yet another delay. So it is unclear right now what repairs are necessary before the ship will be cleared to leave. And that's all because of that damage that happened this morning. Late Thursday evening, examining the damage to the Princess Ruby cruise ship to figure out how to make necessary repairs before getting clearance from the U.S. Coast Guard to leave port. All of this started around 6 a.m. this morning when the vessel struck Pier 27, leaving a large gouge on the left or port side at the back or stern of the ship. The cruise line spokesperson says 3,300 passengers were on board and a crew of 1,100. The vessel was returning from Alaska and heading to San Francisco to pick up another batch of passengers. A passenger on board when the ship hit the dock says that they felt a slight bump. You know, I was asleep and I thought I felt a little bump. You know, I, and I at the time I thought, oh, we must be docking. But it seemed pretty minor. Crowd4 News has learned that the ship was under the command of a San Francisco bar pilot. They frequently board large ships and bring them through the Golden Gate and dock along the Embarcadero. A spokesperson with the San Francisco Bar Pilots Association says that they are cooperating with authorities to find out what went wrong. I spoke with several passengers before they boarded the ship about how they were feeling about the accident. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm just, it's just, you know, unfortunate thing that happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't planned or anything like that. So, yeah, I definitely would, would do it. Uh, we just found out about it like an hour or two ago, right before we got here. And then we've just been anxious ever since. But Is that your mom over there? Yeah. She's cool about it all? 
she's she's cool about it, but she's she's the most anxious one out of all of us. I've seen issues where we've um, come into turbid, really turbulent waters up in, in Alaska even, and it's a little scary that both tossing. That, those are the times when you are more scared than I think anything. It seemed that most of the passengers who had been on a cruise before were not very anxious, but it looked like the first time or second time passengers were certainly a little bit questioning about whether the vessel should take off. But now we know a little bit more information about how it is necessary, according to the Coast Guard, to make sure that the repairs are checked off. And so that is what you see behind me. Again, there's going to be an update. I've been told by a passenger at nine o'clock and they have to be signed off in order to leave port. Reporting live here in San Francisco, I'm Teresa Stasio. Back to you. Yeah, Teresa, a bar pilot would be uh, taken out to the ship outside the Golden Gate typically and put on the ship because they're familiar with the conditions in the bay and what to look out for bringing a large vessel like that cruise ship in. And, and looking at the damage, I, I know that when a big ship comes into the pier with the bar pilot, tugboats actually assist in pushing and guiding the ship pier side so that it runs its lines to the pier and it gets tied up. Looking at the damage, it looks like the, the, the stern of the ship uh, on the port side hit the pier. And if you look at the damage, and I don't know if I'm putting our producer on the spot here, if we can show that video of the, the damage to the ship, it looks like there's a puncture in the hull, maybe eight or 10 feet above the water line. I'm presuming the big concern for the Coast Guard is if that ship goes into the open ocean, and water from swells can get into that hole and start to flood, that is gonna be a major concern. So uh, this is, it may not look like a, a huge deal. It looks like a kind of a big bump on the side of the ship, but this could potentially be a dangerous situation if that ship goes to sea. All right, now we do have an update folks and that as much as I thought, oh man, that's a terrible thing for that reporter to be saying. However, a princess confirmed to me this morning that uh, they're in continued discussions with the Coast Guard regarding clearance for Ruby Princess to depart. The departure time frame has not been confirmed. And as of just now, I checked on uh, Cruise Mapper, Ruby Princess is still in San Francisco. So that's an update right to the minute, folks. All right, I'll be back with more news after a quick break from one of our network sponsors. And the next story today, folks, has to deal with Ocean Key Marine Reserve, the private island of MSC Cruises. Uh, it was featured on today's show and, uh, to celebrate the initial success of the pioneering coral nursery in the Bahamas. The Super Coral Program Project, which started in 2018, aims to rebuild coral beds surrounding MSC Private Island Resort. Here's a report on that from MSC. Back now with our series today, Climate. As vacationers head to the beaches this summer, there's a, there's a crisis that's brewing in our oceans. Scientists predict 70 to 90% of coral reefs could die off in the next 30 years. But now 
Now there's a real effort underway to save them. Yeah, this is really a cool story. Coral conservation uses many different methods. In the Bahamas, researchers are growing pieces of coral on what they call coral trees in mm. underwater nurseries. It's part of a program that links our sponsor, MSC Cruises, with graduate students in South Florida working together to identify coral species that can withstand the effects of climate change. The ultimate goal? To regrow the ocean's reefs one piece at a time. About 65 miles off the coast of Miami, Florida, in the waters of the Bahamas. You can see the nurseries in the water. There's an underwater nursery made up of coral trees where pieces of coral of all sizes hang from PVC pipes anchored to the ocean floor. We have four coral trees, three are populated with three distinct genotypes of corals that are spatially independent of one another so we can maintain genetic diversity. Dr. Owen O'Shea is the Marine Program and Research Manager for the MSC Foundation, the nonprofit arm of MSC Cruises, which funds the Super Coral Program. Super Coral essentially refers to a coral that is demonstrating a thermal resilience to changes in, in ocean temperature. And the problems we're seeing with this in reefs is that they are struggling to keep up with their adaptive evolution. Some do it very well, some are incredibly resilient, others not so much. He says finding the ones that are adapting to climate change isn't easy because they're critically endangered. After less than a year of searching for source colonies of super corals like this one, he's only found three. It's literally trying to find a needle in a haystack or a coral in an ocean. But yet when we do find it, it's incredibly rewarding. <laughs> From these parent colonies, Dr. O'Shea harvests hand-sized pieces, breaks them up into smaller fragments, and attaches them to the branches of the coral trees in the nursery. That's where they'll stay suspended in the currents, where they'll get maximum sunlight. They get a nice exchange of water. We get a lot of nutrients that come in from the deeper ocean. After about a year and a half, once these fragments have grown enough and are healthy, he says the next step is to outplant them back onto the reefs to keep growing and repopulating the area. It's an intervention. We're just giving nature a helping hand. So we're sort of manipulating the environment to an extent where we can control the growth of these corals. And this research extends far beyond the nursery. The Super Coral Program also funds the work of graduate students in two South Florida universities. These students test and develop scientific methods in a lab setting to identify the most resilient coral species out there. Each student in the program, like Ramiro Casalvila, focuses on a different project guided by experts and researchers in the coral conservation field. We'll be using 3D imagery, so taking underwater pictures of the corals within the nurseries to then create uh, models to quantify their growth. And in the process of this, we'll be creating a standardized procedure. A standardized procedure that can be used not only to help coral nursery research in the Bahamas, but eventually it could be used in coral nurseries worldwide. I'd like that my work would be uh, used in the future, essentially gain all the skill sets needed to be able to replicate this somewhere else. Whether on land, in a lab, or under the sea, this research is part of something bigger that can help save entire ecosystems. There are so many wonderful people on Earth that are, are doing coral reef 
restoration at the moment. So we want to be able to share our results. We want to be able to export and refine these methods on a global scale. What works here might not work somewhere else, but it just might. That's cool. I really cool. love that they're trying new ways yeah. to kind of grow this coral. Dr. O'Shea says the underwater nursery now holds 60 pieces of coral, but in just three years' time, he hopes to be growing up to 5,000 wow. corals every year. Wow. And I, you know, I've heard everybody talk about the problem, but I didn't realize it was that bad, quite yeah. frankly, with our coral reefs. Well, as the temperature of, of the oceans go up, it kills off the corals. So yes. if you can find a resistant coral Absolutely. to that, then that'll that help. good. Hey, thanks for watching. Don't miss the Today Show every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 Pacific, on our streaming channel, Today All Day. To watch, head. All right, the next story this morning, folks. Pilates on a cruise ship. Princess Cruises unveiled a seven-night cruise aboard Royal Princess that in introduces the line's first club Pilates at sea. Let me check and make sure that my, my I'm not muted. It looks like my my uh, audio is on. I tend to screw that up, folks. While I'm double back and checking. Uh, but anyway, they they've introduced uh, Club Pilates at Sea in Alaska retreat uh, in partnership with Club Pilates, a brand owned by Exponential Fitness. Club Pilates was founded in 2007 and based in California. Guests aboard an, an upcoming wellness-themed Princess Cruise Voyage can enjoy a structured Pilates exercise program against the serene backdrop of Alaska mountains and glaciers and other inspiring coastal views. The September sailing operates round-trip from Seattle and will call on four ports. All right. Aida Cruises, we don't talk, get to talk about them that much. The German cruise line Aida Cruises, which operates 12 ocean-going vessels and is part of the Carnival Corporation, has announced that by October 2023, every ship in the fleet will be equipped with SpaceX cutting-edge Starlink broadband service. Aida Cruises has successfully completed the installation on Aida Ablu. No. Come on, Tongue. Aida Blue, Aida Bella, and Aida Stella. The remarkable development will empower Aida Cruises to provide unparalleled onboard internet experience for its passengers and crew, ensuring top-tier connectivity for everyone on board by the end of the year. All right. I know we had Nate on earlier talking about a lot of good things in Alaska, but this broke actually after he and I did that interview. So I have to ask him about this next time, but smart transportation division, local 1626, which represents operating personnel for the white pass and Yukon route. That's railroad. Of course, authorized a strike according to a press release. The labor union and railroad have negotiated for nearly six years and have been unable to resolve disputes on wages, health care, workforce reduction, and safety. A strike could affect tens of thousands of vacationers visiting Alaska during the peak summer travel period. SMART is attempting to secure wages commensurate 
with cost of living increases over the past six years. The railroad also wants to increase health care costs, further reducing employees' take-home wages. The carrier also seeks to reduce the workforce by a third by removing the brakemen on every train, a safety-critical position for trains that routinely carry 600 passengers. While engineers operate the controls of the locomotive, brakemen and conductors work from the train cars where they can ensure the safe passage of those on board. They also protect the public as the train travels through the busiest parts of town. The parties engaged in a marathon round of mediation late into the night through the holiday weekend. The three-day session failed to break the logjam and ended up with Smart TD rejecting the railroad's offer. The future of negotiations is in limbo as the parties do not agree on a future meeting date at the conclusions of the meetings this weekend. Contract negotiations are in mediation in accordance with the Railway Labor Act. So folks, don't panic. If they go on strike, you, you get a little bit of time here. Uh, if they cannot resolve the dispute, they can then be released from mediation and offered arbitration. If both parties do not agree to arbitration, a 30-day cooling off period will occur, after which a strike could happen. If a strike was to occur, complete carrier shutdown would happen. No trains would operate and cruise ship passengers would be left without transport. I don't think the cruise lines are going to let the railroad do that. And finally this morning on another princess ship, has nothing to do with the other story, folks. A staff member aboard Majestic Princess tragically passed away during a 14-day Alaska voyage. Staff member identified as a UK national and working as a digital specialist on board was found dead in his cabin. The details surrounding the incident emerged from an anonymous crew member who provided insights into the unfortunate event. According to the source, the staff member experienced a medical crisis Code Alpha was standard, sounded through the PA system, and despite the response of the medical team, upon their arrival, it became apparent that the staff member had already passed. Preliminary information uh, suggests that the crew member had sought medical attention at the ship's medical center the day before due to persistent vomiting. The following day, the crew member's absence was noticed by colleagues and the tragedy became apparent. All right, that's going to wrap up the news portion today, folks. I said it was a busy morning. All right, let's see who's over in the chat room. Looks like we've got a big crowd in the chat room today. All right, Eddie, yo, yo, Eddie's in the house. How you doing, Eddie? Mike's with us. Uh, Alice wants a lazy river to our house backyard. <laughs> I'm not complaining at all. Hot air Tom's here. Hello, everyone. Back after a few days off, I seem to have picked up a case of COVID from my wonderful day in Newark. Sorry, Tom. I was afraid of that when I, I heard you talk. Nikki's with us down in Jacksonville. 
Hot Air says, to make matters worse, the uh, air conditioning quit. Wow, that's lovely. 81 inside at night. Filter was soaking wet. I pulled the front cover off the inside unit this morning to find major ice over. Ooh, that's not good. Steve's with us. Hi, Steve. The unit was newly installed in 2022. Not what I expected. I was hoping to find a plug drain hole. Yeah, I guess. And Mike says, sorry to hear about COVID and your air conditioning. Nikki says, hope you and your AC feel better soon. Sonny's with us. Hi, Sonny. Randacita. Hi, Randacita. That's a new name to me. Uh, glad to have you with us. You're always welcome. Dennis is with us. Hi, Dennis. And a reminder that mosquitoes are also the Alaska State bird. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, I was actually, when I was there in May last year, I didn't see a single mosquito while I was up there. But I heard I was just having to be a couple of weeks early for the mosquitoes. There's Emily. She's back from the Philippines. Look out, folks. Probably need to hide for a while. Ah, uh, back in the hood. Good, Emily. Glad to have you home. It's been interesting following your travels. Oops, Emily's back, says Hot Air Tom. I am. How are the flights home? Airports crowded? Yeah, she's coming home under some pretty rough conditions, I would think. Dennis says, hello, Em. Verizon in Alaska. Oh, yeah. Uh, hot air is back too. Uh, what a great interview. Thanks, Em. I appreciate that. Now my feet are swollen. They started swelling the last couple of days when I was in the Philippines. Uh, these people will be there for a long time. Feel bad for oh, those people will be there for a long time. Hopefully some people can fly home. Uh, I'm hearing Steve Urkel saying, did I do that? Hey, there's Blaine. Hi, Blaine. Water could get in for sure. Uh, Blaine saying hello to everybody. Bummer for the passengers all excited and then find out they can't go. Yeah, that's it's amazing that it's still in port. So they must there must be some more issues that they're not aware of. And that doesn't even figure on the damage to the pier. They can't tell about damage to the pier till the boat gets out of there. I know, Dennis, it's a ship. But until they leave, you can't even tell how much damage there is to the pier. If they can get back to the same place when they come back, if they ever make it through Alaska. So, anyway. Uh, that reporter was spot on, just honest. There's more to think about up under there and we'll need repairs. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I agree. Your swollen feet are just like spending a week on a cruise ship. You know, I hate to say this, but I end up with swollen feet uh, almost immediately anymore. Uh, and I, you know, I take uh, Lasix, it's like light Lasix, it's, it's uh, fluor fluorosamide. Uh, 
you know, it's a water pill, but it's still, you know, my feet stay swollen until I get back home again. I guess that comes with the age, my age too, and all the other meds I'm taking. I'm not sure totally what causes it. This is the longest Chili has done a show. No, not yet. I've done a couple shows over an hour, Em. Not many. You know, I usually get out at 35 to 40 minutes. Very educating. Thank you, Em. I appreciate that. He has done some hour once out of Tom says. Joanne's here. Says happy weekend. Yeah. I'm looking forward to a weekend. I'm going to spend a lot of time at the pool. Funny thing is my 2019, my feet didn't swell on that trip. This swelled on this trip. My mom is telling me to keep my feet up. They have to be elevated. That helps him. It also helps to drink lots of water, which I do both of. Water right here. So, but yeah, when I'm, um, Anytime that I'm not on the show, I'm not sitting at my desk, my feet are up. So. Sonny says, nice to see an honest reporter. Yeah, that's why I use that, folks. Dennis is all good. Thank you, Dennis. Katie's with us. Good morning, everybody. She's up there at Martha's Vineyard. I agree. Instead of those who just want to give you a a feel-good feeling. Agrees, uh, Blaine. The Aida Aura is now MV Lara, the replacement ship for the Murray Cruises three-year cruise. Yes, it is. I had that story one day last week. Best to wear compression shocks on those long flights. You know, people tell me that I have compression socks and I hate them. Oh, man. Well, number one, it's hard for me to get them on. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Sonny says, Warm and Fuzzy's reporting isn't showing the real stories. Yeah, agree. Emily, you should wear compression socks when traveling long distances. It helps with swelling and prevents blood clots. Well, I know. I know. I should do that. I hate them. Uh, Hi there, says uh, Blaine, is the Sharon group is going across the pond? Are they finally cruising a good cruise line? I hope Matthew realizes how lucky a kid he is. We had some entitled brats on the recent Dawn cruise being very disrespectful to parents. Wonderful news segment, Chili. Thank you, uh, Dennis. Won't those socks make my feet sweat? Yeah. I'm not sure this is a group cruise, just family hot air, Tom, said Blaine. Sorry, hot air. I hope you feel better. Katie says, oh, no, Tom, hope you feel better soon. Welcome aboard, Randacita. That's from Emily. (laughs) Have to hide. Yeah, we all have to hide with you back. EVA Airlines was all full. If you go on EVA, go business class or first class. Or premium economy only. Okay. 
There's Kenneth up in Pennsylvania. Boy, we are getting a full house this morning. Hi, Kenneth. Uh, should I take a Bayer aspirin? Yeah, there are people, Emily, that think you should have take an aspirin a day. Um, I can't anymore because of the conflicting with my meds that I, my, my chemo meds that I take. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people think you should do that. So it's not going to hurt anything. It can only do you some good. All right, guys, that's going to wrap me up for the weekend. I was at first thinking about doing a show tonight for the Alaska cruise folks. I think I'm going to wait another week to do that. Uh, so once I get off the show today, <laughs> I'm going straight out to the pool. So, all right, guys, that's going to wrap me up for the weekend. As always, thanks for being here. Don't forget to smash that thumbs up bottle, up bottle, thumbs up button. And if you haven't subscribed, please consider do, doing so. We've got lots of new subscribers now. Please join them. Uh, that doesn't cost anything, helps the channel out tremendously. And maybe by tomorrow, I'll hit uh, 5,000 subscribers. Who knows? So, all right, guys, y'all have a fantastic weekend. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, think about cruising, and hopefully one day soon we'll all get together on the high seas. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you Monday unless something big happens over the weekend. Later, y'all. I regularly post videos on all facets of the travel and cruise industry. So if you like to keep up with the latest in cruise ships, ports of call, cruises themselves, chilly chats, and travel and cruise industry news, just hit the little subscribe button in the lower right-hand corner, hit the bell notification so you'll be notified when a new video is up or we go live. This video was produced by Chili's Cruises. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply.